Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Chainalysis puts out their Crypto's Crimes Report, what's in it, and what does it all mean? Also, India FUD, and so much more. Coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2021. It's a longer show today, so I'm going to get straight into it. But before I get into it, I want to say, Tesla, Elon, when are you going to put out the updated Model Y with the new console, the heated steering wheel? When is it going to be on the website? Can you please just hurry up already? The Model Y has been out for already a year, and it's been the same on the website. Can you just please hurry up, make the updates? I am getting very impatient. And now, to those crypto prices. Here comes the money. And I'm recording this at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But before we get into those crypto prices, a quick PSA from PancakeSwap. Apparently, PancakeSwap has been DNS hijacked. They're saying don't use the site until they figure out what's going on. So if you listen to this and it's after 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, go to PancakeSwap's Twitter and make sure that they say it's all clear before you use their site. Again, PancakeSwap says don't use their site. They've been DNS hijacked. Just chill and wait until they say it's all clear. Also, never ever put your seed phrases or private keys on their website. And moving to those crypto prices, Bitcoin is in at $56,514, down 5.8% in 24. Number two spot belongs to Ethereum at $1,787, down 4.4%. Binance is in the number three spot at $257.92, down 4.1%, while Tether's at number four and Cardano's at number five at 104, down 2.8%. Polkadot's in the number six spot at $35.30, down 4%. In 24 hours. Total market cap we're at $1.72 trillion, with a BTC dominance of 61.3%. And now moving on to our main conversation today with Director of Research of Chainalysis, Kimberly Grower, to talk about the Crypto Crimes Report. This is a great 101 on crypto crimes. Not only do we go over definitions, what the crimes are, how they're being done, but also gives you information about actually how much crime is being committed with cryptocurrency. I'll see you after this conversation for other news. Hi, thanks for having me. Crypto Crimes Report from Chainalysis. What is this? The Crypto Crime Report is an annual report that we put out that is an attempt to capture and quantify as much of the crime ecosystem as possible. And by crime ecosystem, I mean all of the different ways people are using cryptocurrency to commit crimes. And the different types of crime we're looking at are scamming, darknet marketplaces, hacking, ransomware, terrorist financing, sanction evasion, domestic extremism. And I think I'm missing one. But yeah, we put it together every year. And it's really exciting to be able to to look at how things have evolved over an entire year using our data, which is basically the fuel for this report. Excellent. Okay. So you said evolution and I really want to get into that. How long have you been doing this report? 
We've been putting it out for four years now. Excellent. So what have you been seeing over the, let's go more of like a macro four years, and then let's bring it down to the one year. What have you been, what trends have you been seeing? Some of the trends we've been seeing are, well, first it's important to know that the biggest categories, by categories, the biggest types of illicit activity are around scamming. And we've seen just the most value is going to people who are trying to carry out scams against other people. And you can imagine there's a lot of opportunities for this to happen, maybe just taking advantage of the hype in the industry. We saw that with the ICO craze a few years ago, and we continue to see that, um, especially in 2019, which we called the year of the Ponzi scheme. Billions of dollars were scammed off from millions of people. So scamming is something that is really evolving depending on what is kind of the hype of the day, but it's consistently the biggest category of crime. We also track darknet markets, which is all another category that is, if you look at the amount of money sent to darknet marketplaces over the past 10 years, the only thing that remains true is that it continues to grow. And we actually Mm. saw in 2020, it was the biggest year on record for the amount of money being sent to darknet marketplaces, which is important and big. And that's not to say that the all these major darknet market closures aren't important and effective. They are. But just the sheer number of darknet marketplaces that are coming into existence is really propelling that industry forward. Some other things we're paying attention to, what's really on my radar is ransomware. Uh, 2020 was the year of the ransomware attack. It was the fastest growing type of criminal activity year on year from 2019 to 2020. We saw you know, 300, over 300% increase in the amount of ransomware payments made. There's a lot of reasons for that, not only because the cybercrime infrastructure enabling a lot of this type of activity is becoming more advanced, but also there was just some circumstances throughout the year that made ransomware really successful, such as everyone going to work from home. Overnight, you have to just go work from home. So I have a lot of questions out of that. Yeah. And you know, that this is interesting, because one thing I did not see was terrorist financing in here. Yeah, that so that's not a thing. No, no, no. It's a terrorist financing is is a big part of our report. We, we report on it every single year. In terms of the value received by terrorist financing cryptocurrency wallets it's much smaller than scamming okay. so that's what so, that's what I was, that's what I was asking yeah. is because like, you said okay the biggest thing we see was scams darknet markets markets and ransomware and I was like oh well everybody's screaming um terrorist financing and drug trade and you didn't say any of those and I was just like wait a minute did you leave those <laughs> off or do they got it wrong no it's it's right it's not as big a part of the ecosystem as scamming. So there's a couple hundred thousand dollars going to terrorist financing wallets in 2020, which is, it still is important to stay on top of. I think we, we covered five case studies in the report of different times when the law enforcement has pursued or investigated the use of cryptocurrency to fund terrorism. And those are really interesting cases. It's a little bit harder to get the macro sense of that because it's so based in really sensitive, really in-depth, detailed investigations that often involve international law enforcement efforts, which is why we tend to keep the terrorist financing section restricted to case studies. But we do have the aggregate numbers, and it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. Which is a lot less than billions of dollars in scams. What are the biggest scams that you see in the crypto space right now? Is it the Elon Musk send me one Bitcoin, I'll send you two? (laughs) 
that's what we call trust trading. And that's actually surprisingly popular. We saw a lot of those. They're, they still continue to be popular, you know, taking advantage of the hype that people have. And, you know, maybe, hey, maybe, maybe this is legitimate. You know, it looks like an Elon Musk account, but the, it's not the biggest. Those are not the biggest scams we see. The phishing, the kind of those types of scams are nothing compared to these really large financial scams. The, the ones that are you think is a legitimate business that's promising you 100% annual returns, but actually they pay you out a little bit to get you sending them more. The biggest scam in 2020 was something called Mirror Trading International, $600 million received that year. It's basically a Ponzi scheme. I know. <laughs> that's just that year, Six, uh, 2020, $600 million. And this is something that looks and to you go to, it has a nice website. You think, hey, I, I know people out there are making a lot of money on crypto doing some of this fancy trading. This is a company that's promising that. They say they have a bot. I'm going to just throw them some money. And when you get a little money back, you send them a little more money. You tell your friends then. So that's the big type of scam. You might not be able to answer this, but I have to ask about the legality of that. Because if they can't promise you returns and they have a bot and the bot just doesn't work, is that actually illegal or, or they're just bad at their job? Uh, it's it's illegal to... Uh, if we take Mirror Trading International, for example, there have been legal actions taken against the the people running this scam. And uh, it's a South African basic scam, um, scam. So there was an advisory issued in South Africa, but it also impacted people in the United States. There was an advisory issued in Texas. And there is a gray area though, you're right. What is illegal and what is not legal? And that's why I would I would have to say, you know, a rigorous regulatory environment will help people to feel more comfortable investing in this space if they know there's a recourse if there's scams because they see scammers are getting prosecuted. Okay, before I move on to the next question about darknet markets, I just want to know how the Nigerian prince is doing. <laughs> the Nigerian prince, uh, I, I actually have not checked in with the Nigerian prince lately, but I think that um, They're still on emails or did they upgrade to crypto? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. We've definitely seen some some crypto scams that are, even if you just go to open source websites where you can report abuse, uh, uh, crypto reports, you can just see people, just the brazen attempts for people to solicit cryptocurrency from people. You, you do see those attempts are continuing and taking many different forms as well. We saw people saying, hi, I'm a COVID charity. Send me, mm. send me Bitcoin. I'm a, I'm a COVID charity. I'm based in whatever region, name your region. And these are, these are successful at not very successful. Maybe for every 10,000 emails you send, you get $5, but it's, they are, we do see people getting really creative in the emails that they're sending to people to to hope they'll send Bitcoin. Interesting. Darknet markets. What are you seeing that the purchases are in the darknet markets? Can you track that? Or is it just say, oh, this darknet site, there's crypto going to it? I've spent a lot of time on darknet markets. The biggest type of darknet market that we're interested in these days. Well, first of all, the biggest darknet market is a Russian darknet market called Hydra, which is selling drugs and all, and all sorts of services. And, but what we're paying attention to, we can't see what people are purchasing. We know Hydra, for example, sells drugs. We know, you know, a vast variety of drugs and other services, but we also are paying more attention to these fraud shops, which are popping up a lot more selling stolen credit card details, selling mm -hmm. personal, 
personally identifiable information, passports. Even one thing that we're seeing um, is people selling KYC for so that they can get on to exchanges if they don't have legitimate identification. Uh-huh. So these fraud shops are something that are popping up and pretty active as well. Interesting. And last one is the it's a ransom. What do, what are you seeing in in the ransom and how does that work? I mean, I, I guess I don't want to ask you about you know big companies because my listeners aren't you know the multinational or international uh, you know corporations, but it is the retail investor. What kind of ransom are you seeing at a retail site or on a retail level? I don't actually have much information around who's who more. I, I don't have more information than you do on who is the victim of ransom payments. You can look, scroll through the news. If I, I guarantee you, if I Googled ransomware right now, there would have been a report within the past 24 hours of a, of a ransomware incident of a business. I don't actually see much of about the victims. I do see this this average payment sizes and they are growing. So multi we're seeing multi-million dollar payments coming in more increasingly, but we do also see, you know, your $4,000, $5,000 payments. I've seen some people who have clicked on an email and downloaded um, a malicious software and they just asked for a couple thousand dollars, but you're, you're, I, I won't drone on too long on this, but you're, you're hitting on a really important subject, which is that ransomware is notoriously underreported. So if you uh, download a ransomware and you, and your computer is locked out, and you maybe you pay a thousand, two thousand dollars. Do you tell anyone? And the the answer we're seeing is True. that a lot of times people don't. And then when you don't, we're not going to actually have access to that and be able to alert law enforcement, report when the when those criminals are trying to log their money out or cash their money out. So under reporting is big. I got an email just the other day. It said, pay us $500 in Bitcoin because we have these pictures of you. And it's just like, I think everybody has something on the internet or something in their phone or something in the past that, that somebody could find somewhere, some way, somehow, everybody. And they're just like, they're just trying to prey on this. Like, we have something of you. Click on this link to see what we have or pay us 500 bucks. And I'm like, y'all get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I got those too. I, and the, the fun thing about working at my company is I can just plug it into our software and see, has anyone paid into this? And, uh, but yeah, I get those, I get those too. phishing emails often, even with the filters, you still, they still, some of them make it through. What is the benefit of a report like this? By putting out a report like this, are you helping the narrative for blockchain and cryptocurrency, or are you fueling the skepticism from people who want to clamp down on regulations or restrict cryptocurrency? What do you think the bigger, um, uh, effects of these reports are? I, th- I think that, the first thing to note is it's really important for people to understand what the risk is if they want to get involved in cryptocurrency. And I find it extremely positive. There's less than 1% of all activity is related to illicit act- actors. So if you hear a comment from a you know, major regulator saying that, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to get into the space because it's used for terrorists. And, and then you point to our report and say, well, we can, this is the data we have. Is there even any comparable data in the fiat space? And so I think that, yes, you know, having an entire, you know, we call it crime season, basically, because we're just constantly putting out crime numbers. It feels like, hey, does the ecosystem really need this? But I think that the more information, the better. We're not trying to accomplish X goals by putting, by putting this out. It's just for us 
about getting as much data out there as possible so people can make informed decisions. And basically, a very small percentage of all economic activity identified is related to illicit. Is this report free? Yes, it's free. You can just download it on our website. You just have to go in and, and um, punch in your name and email, and then we'll, we'll send it to you. What do you guys do then? How do you make money? What is what is what does Chainalysis do um, that, that that brings them that that money to keep putting out reports like this? Because it doesn't seem like a small task. Yes, I know. I have this conversation often, and I'm like, are they going to stop this soon? But um, I'm lucky to be at a company that just is invests a lot in research for research's sake. We make money by selling our software. So the reason why I can do what I do is because. We have really good a really good understanding of who owns what wallets, and not by who I mean which services are controlling which wallets. And so we sell an investigative software to people who are uh, needing to remain compliant, need to know they're not doing business with the wrong people, and people in law enforcement, people who are actually investigating some of these cases. So that's how we make our money, and so not through these reports, which are just have been we've been doing them for a long time and they just happen to be successful so we keep doing them wonderful thank you very much kim grower director of research at chain analysis for coming on the show and tell me about your crypto crime report yeah thank you thank you and now in other news india government gave crypto investors another reason to fear on monday after high-ranking officials said a new law would ban the possession or usage of cryptocurrencies the officials said that the use of blockchain technology would be promoted in the country, but the use of private crypto assets such as Bitcoin and Ethereum would be stamped out. A previous bill from 2019 went as far as proposing jail terms for offenders, but now the officials say strict penalties are expected instead. However, there's a bit of confusion, I think, because the Indian finance minister, Nirmala Sitharaman, said we will allow a certain amount of window for people to experiment on blockchain and Bitcoin, but also added that a cabinet bill on cryptocurrencies was getting ready and expected to pass soon. What is going on? Is it banned or is it not? Are you using it to experiment or are you not? Is it for companies or private people? People are thinking that the Indian government will allow companies to experiment with blockchain, but not the retail investor. Yet it's still unclear. However, I also want to note that Indian FUD comes up every year or so. It's, it's consistent. I mean, I see people on Twitter recycling memes from the last time India FUD came out. So let's see if this passes. Let's see what really happens. I am also skeptical about them actually banning cryptocurrency. Interestingly enough, in the same vein, South Korea is the flip side of all of this. Because yesterday's total amount of transactions combined on the four major crypto exchanges in Korea, Upbit, BitThumb, CoinOne, and Cobit, was $14.6 billion. That's larger than the volume of their stock exchanges, the Kospi and the Kosdaq which were $14.5 billion and $10 billion respectively. So is this what the proverbial what's good for the goose is not necessarily good for the gander means? I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. All I'm saying is it's interesting that two different countries will have two different approaches to cryptocurrency and you can see the difference. The Oakland Athletics, which is a U.S. baseball team, announced on Sunday that the team will offer six-person full-season suites for $64,800 or one Bitcoin, which, if you're doing the math, is less than that right now. The team president, Dave Cavill, who drove the idea, isn't worried about price fluctuations. It's part of the romance, he says. The offer is from now until April 1st. So, if you want those season tickets in a suite, you can get it for a discount by coughing up one Bitcoin. Carpe diem, seize the day, get about $7,000 off on season tickets. 
by using your Bitcoin. And finally, according to a letter to freelancers penned by Jay Kogan, Senior Vice President of Legal Affairs at DC Comets, said, in quote, DC is exploring opportunities to enter the market for the distribution and sale of original DC digital art with NFTs, including both new art created specifically for the NFT market, as well as original digital art rendered for DC comic book publications. He continued to say, please note that the offering for sale of any digital images featuring DC's intellectual property with or without NFTs, whether rendered for DC's publication or rendered outside the scope of one's contractual engagement with DC, is not permitted. Basically, he's saying, we're going to do some NFTs, but if y'all do some NFTs and don't get our permission and sell our IP and make money off our IP without our permission, we're coming for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. It helps us stay visible. And you can always email me at matthewaron at decrypt.co. Until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>